This podcast has been made possible by Planful and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Diane Moorfield, CFO of Cyrus One, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 473. with a view to taking the company public. And we were lucky that uh, just at the right time, we began to see some of the patients responding to, to the therapy on our trials. Um, and you know that caught the attention of one of the potential investors and turned it, it started at Snowball, quite frankly. We ended up with you know an oversubscribed crossover round we brought some wonderful new investors into our uh, into the company, and then we rolled right from that into our IPO. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Emma Reeve, CFO of Constellation Pharmaceuticals, currently on her third tour of duty as a CFO inside the healthcare biotech sector. Emma shares with us her latest IPO milestone and looks back on a career that spans innovative pharma startups, and big pharma players like Merck and Bristol-Myers Squibb. Our discussion begins after these words from our sponsor. In an ever-changing world, it can be tough to keep up with the latest FP&A trends and innovations that keep you ahead of the game. Luckily, there's a podcast for that. Tune in to Being Planful, the podcast for finance leaders and planning experts, and stay in the know about what's happening in planning and forecasting. Guests like influencer Chris Ortega, Boston Red Sox CFO Tim Zhu, and Brian Lapidus of AFP will keep you up to speed on how you can put finance in the driver's seat this year. Find the full episodes at beingplanful.com or wherever you get your podcasts. P.S. Think you might make a great guest on the show? Shoot host Rowan Tonkin an email at beingplanful at planful.com. Hi, it's Jack. I wanted to quickly mention that on today's recording, when CFO Emma Reeve speaks, there's a little bit of crackling noise in the background. As you likely realize, CFOs call us from all over the country, and we're often at the mercy of a specific hand receiver. We wanted to let you know we're sorry about the crackling, but we knew you wouldn't want to miss CFO Emma Reeve. Our interview begins now. Hello, we're speaking 
talking to Emma Reed, CFO of Constellation Pharmaceuticals, a clinical stage biopharmaceutical company using expertise in epigenetics to discover and develop therapeutics. Emma, welcome. Good day, everybody. Thank you. Emma has had multiple CFO tours of duty over the years, and she's held senior finance roles at such marquee companies as Bristol-Myers, Squibb, Merck, and Novartis. Emma, it appears you've been in uh, both large enterprise environments as well as small companies, uh, so we look forward to exploring your career with you. Uh, as always, we begin by asking our finance leaders to look back and identify those experiences they feel uh, prepared them for a CFO role. What comes to mind for you? Yeah, let me give it a shot, Jack. Um, I think, you know, there's obviously been many different experiences over the years. I would say that the, the first one that comes to mind is the transition from BMS to stepping out to be a CFO for the first time, which was back in 2002, so way back now. But I think that was building on a lot of experience that I gained at Bristol-Myers Squibb. Um, which was really when I got into healthcare, which is something I'm particularly passionate about. Um, I got involved in sort of really getting involved in the business, learning the business, getting closer to patients, including, you know, going to patient advocacy groups, meeting patients, and really partnering then with business leaders, um, particularly on the marketing side and observing their leadership. And, and all of that was good background. And then... And then I was into the position where I was the, you know, the CFO at a small, very small company, um, and then you realize you really are the leader, uh, and you have to absolutely step into the role. I think that was one key point, and then probably more recently, uh, if I had real forward, more recently I was at Paracel, which is a, a, clinical, um, a, a clinical research organization, and there I took on a role as a controller. I took on an accounting function. I'd spent most of my career in SP&A. Um, and so this was a chance to take on, on the other side of the house. I also took on an investor relations role. Um, and then I was asked to step up as CFO when the prior CFO left rather abruptly in the middle of the year end close. And that experience in itself then opened the door to other you know, roles like my current role as a CFO in a public company. Now, I want to point out that you, you made a, an investment with your career, really, at Bristol Myers Squibb, where you were there eight years. So I, I think that was a, um, a, you know, an investment at the early part of your career that you made there. Looking back, are you happy with that investment? Uh, would you recommend maybe no more than five years in a particular uh, with a particular company, what would you what would you tell us? Would I do it again? Yeah, absolutely. I had lots, of, you know, several different roles, including, for example, that I moved with Bristol-Myers Squibb from Europe over to the U.S. They brought me to the U.S. They brought me into that's where I really learned the healthcare business, and uh, I certainly certainly don't regret that at all. What I did do there, and I would, would advise others to, to think about the same thing, is took on different roles and different experiences while I was there. I was you know, very lucky to be able to move up the ladder, 
um, during that period up to the executive ranks. Um, but part of it was about gaining different experiences and adding, adding what I call new experiences to your backpack that you then take on to the next role, even if it's within the same company. Now, also, when you were at Merck, you had the title Senior Director of Research Operations, which is a sort of a strange title for, for a finance executive. So that role, so I, I, as I mentioned, I went to Aston in 2002, which was a small biotech, and we did a very nice deal to sell the company to Merck, and I got acquired with the company. They took five of us, so two chemists, two biologists, and me, um, and we joined Merck, and that's what moved me actually up here to Boston, uh, where I am now. And uh, that role was indeed a step into a broader role. It was a it was research operations, which included finance, but it also had a lot of other things in it, including uh, lab management, lab safety, facilities, uh, IT. A, a number of things were in there, so it was a, it was a step perhaps towards a more general management role. I'm wondering if you can make a comparison uh, for us. Having uh, resided in both large uh, enterprise organizations as well as small research organizations, what do you find appealing today about each? Is that a fair question in light of your career experience? Yeah, I know, absolutely. Um, and until relatively recently when I went to Parkstar, which I would characterize as a sort of a mid-sized company, despite it being a global company in nature. Um, and, and there, it was interesting because at Merck, I had, as I mentioned, a broader role. Um, but in the end, I found that I couldn't, it, was thought, it was, ended up being more administrative. I couldn't help, um, that I couldn't help make decisions around the science. I'm obviously not a scientist by background. And so things I could help decide on were how much do people pay for parking. And what I learned from that role was that uh, I'm more interested in helping companies be more strategic and how to find their strategic path. And that's really what I'm doing now at Constellation. So in part, it was your, uh, your desire to get closer to the science that uh, leads you to Constellation, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I was working at Parexcel before coming here and chose to really move from, you know, a healthcare services environment Parkfell is a big global company. Um, I had a team of more than 900 people. And I chose to come to a small company like Constellation because I, was re I really wanted to get back closer to the biology and the, and the innovation. Um, and, and that's what we're doing here. We're trying to find therapies to treat unmet medical needs. And I think that there's nothing more important than that in my mind. So, you know, I, I, I got involved with, Con with Constellation. I, at the time, it was a private company. I didn't really expect to go back to a private company, but I became intrigued by it, by the pipeline. I was inspired by the CEO and the, you know, the journey that the company was on because it was really a, a, a turnaround situation for the company. Um, and again, that played into this, this idea of being able to help the company shape its strategy and path forward. Tell us more then about Constellation Pharmaceuticals and its offerings today. So, so the, the company is 10 years old. It's very well known for deep, deep science. 
um, you know, we're developing innovative therapeutics, and we're now translating that in, into breakthrough medicines. But there was a period where the company had a collaboration with Genentech, a nice partnership, which helped to build the platform that we're working from now. Um, but there was part of the contract included an option for Genentech to buy the company, and, and Genentech chose not to exercise that option. And I think the company stumbled a little bit there and took a couple of years to get back on its feet. I think that you know, most people in the company at the time fully thought that, the, that it would be acquired. And it just took a little bit of time to, to, to get back you know, on track. And that included bringing in a new CEO, augmenting the team, um, and really setting off on a new path so that now we've got you know, two programs in the clinic, so in clinical studies, which, you know, human studies, uh, one in myelofibrosis and one in prostate cancer, and a discovery platform behind that. Now, it seems like from very early on, you knew it was going to be biopharmaceuticals or, or healthcare. Well, I think, you know, I trained in the IT, you know, IT world, and I went into public accounting where you obviously get exposure to a lot of different businesses. But it was really when I started working in healthcare that I began to realize the value of it. And I started in a, um, an orthopedics business, part which at the time was part of Bristol-Myers Squibb. And if you see people having hip and knee operations um, and the mobility that that gives people, it's really important. And then I moved to, with Bristol-Myers Squibb to, to the U.S., and I joined the oncology division. And there, you know, again, working with cancer survivors and seeing what the therapies can do, to me, that's more important. Health is more important than all the money in the world. So uh, it is something I'm very passionate about, despite the fact, clearly, as accountants, we can, you know, we're bean counters, we can ply our trade in any industry. This is where I want to be. So tell us some of the milestones, perhaps, that have already uh, been achieved. Uh, and again, uh, you only joined in 2017, but give us some context how, over time, the company has uh, raised money and advanced forward. Clearly, we've got to, I mentioned we, um, you know, we pivoted the company. Uh, you know, we're focusing on different indications. We, have, we brought on board a new chief medical officer who had an ambitious clinical plan. Um, and he has a real passion for finding the path to registration. We're working, obviously, in a highly regulated industry. Um, but all of this takes money. So to your point, when I came on board, it was with a view to taking the company public. Um, and before we did that, which we did last year successfully, uh, we did a, a crossover round, which wasn't easy to pull together, I'll say. It took, took several months. Um, and we were lucky that uh, you know, just at the right time, we began to see some of the patients responding to, to the therapy on our trials. Um, and, you know, that caught the attention of one of the potential investors and turned it, it started a snowball, quite frankly. We ended up with, you know, an oversubscribed crossover round. We brought some wonderful new investors into, our, uh, into the company. And then we rolled right from that into our IPO. So we ended up raising, you know, 160 million last year, uh, which was really helpful, transformational actually for the company 
to be able to then move forward with our programs. And, and obviously, it's also an important step in the life cycle of any, any company. So right now, we're a new public company. Sounds like the IPO went well. What would you give yourself a report card? What, how would you characterize the IPO? So, so the IPO went, you know, from an execution perspective, about as smoothly as it could have done. We got it done in four months, uh, start to finish. In fact, we were um, we, we were celebrating closing the crossover round. We were already at the lawyers doing the, the organizational meeting for the IPO. So we literally rolled from one process right into the other. The, the crossover round took some effort. It took some months with pounding the pavement, telling our story, um, you know, trying to get people interested in, in what we were doing, trying to, you know, and it's complicated times. So, um, but as I say, the starting to see some early results from the trials early data, small numbers, and clearly still all up to be proven out, but, you know, it's certainly intriguing enough that we caught the attention of some investors. Is this similar to earlier chapters that you've been involved with? Maybe you can, um, can you share with us maybe an earlier uh, financing chapter where money was raised or compare it to what, what you've achieved here? This is certainly a very special company, and of course, you know, this is the beginning of the journey and not the end, right? We'll be continuing on. It's, it's no secret in this business that we'll need to raise more capital. Um, and, it, you know, hopefully we'll continue to create value for our shareholders by bringing new treatments forward or new, new options for patients. But there was, there was one other time earlier when I had a similar experience, um, which was actually the first time I became a CFO, and that was a small company, Atom, which had a had a, a drug candidate, and um, we did a we did a deal, nice deal with Merck, and um, we, we ended up selling the company, and I moved with it with with moved to Merck uh, with that deal. Um, but in that situation, we saw we in the small company took the drug through the second phase of clinical development. You may, you may know there are multiple phases. So we took it through the, the proof of concept phase, which then enabled the Merck deal. But then Merck took it through development and got the drug to the market. And that is one of the most satisfying experiences ever, that we managed to bring a, 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 you know, a drug all the way through from, essentially from the laboratory through to be, to be able to treat patients. And it's a small niche drug. It's not a, it, it, you know, it's not a blockbuster. But to those patients that it's relevant for, it's it's, it's helpful. And that was really very satisfying as a finance person to be contributing to that experience. Um, and I, I often say, you know, we're probably never going to be the ones that are driving the car, but we're certainly contributing. So give us a sense of what you're paying attention to day to day here. One, one I, I would imagine you're, you're looking at both. You're looking at uh, some of what uh, the research uh, progress is, and at the same time, you're, you're looking at certain numbers and, and uh, cash levels maybe. But what would, you, what would you tell us? Well, it's interesting. In this business, um, you know, the most important thing in our business that, that investors care about is the progress in the programs. So, so, for example, we track very carefully the enrollment in the clinical trials and the, and the results from those trials. 
you know, we, we can't obviously control the results. That's why we're that's why we're, we're testing them in, in a controlled environment. Um, and as I mentioned, we are seeing encouraging early data on both our programs, so that's exciting. But what we can control is the execution, so that's where we, we focus. And it may not be uh, something we look at every day, uh, but we're certainly tracking carefully how are, are we on track in order to be able to deliver the results that we promised to the street. And then from a finance perspective, obviously I care about cash. Um, because we're, I mean, a company that doesn't have revenue, so cash is, is king. Um, but it, but it, interestingly, you know, speed to market is often more important. So I think, you know, in, in, in business or in many areas in life, we're balancing sort of speed, sort of time, money, and quality. Um, and in our business, quality has to be a given. We're, we're known for rigorous science and you know, integrity in the trials, there's no compromise there. But I will often advocate for, for investing to gain time. So that trade-off between time and money. Sometimes I surprise people as the finance person saying, no, we should we should spend to get this done. Let's not let's not constrain ourselves uh, because ultimately in this business speed to market is the most important thing. When we come back, CFO Emma Reeve shares her finance strategic moment after these words. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. We always like to ask for a finance strategic moment, and I suspect uh, you might have already shared one of these with us, uh, which is fine. We can explore it further, but uh, what we're looking for is uh, a moment of strategic insight that you've experienced along the way in your career. What, what would you share with us? I think given given the, the recent experience at Constellation, I think, you know, clearly the experience of going through the IPO um, is, is probably top of mind. You know, I joined in order to help drive this turnaround in the company, you know, joining a new CEO and, a, a, you know, a team that melded both the, the, you know, the deep scientific knowledge already in the company with, with some new new players on the team. And, um, you know, I think the decision then to, you know, we clearly knew we needed to raise money. These, these businesses have a voracious appetite for capital, um, and particularly when you're in clinical trials. Uh, you know, it's more expensive than, than when you're working at the lab stage. So, you know, we knew we needed to raise money, and then I think the the decision then to, to roll straight from that into the IPO, so straight from the crossover round into the IPO, 
uh, was something that we, you know, we, we basically all had, it was that strategic moment that said, okay, now's the time to go, the markets were open, um, and we, we, we were concerned that they might not be open later in the year, given the, the political situation, so we, we decided to, to push forward and, and get on there, and it was a big team effort, a lot of people in the company involved, um, I have a very small team in finance, in, in, we're a small company, finance is a small team, and so we had to, you know, everybody had to pitch in to, uh, to, to get the IPO done. So I think it's striking how, as a finance leader, you have found yourself in, in uh, small organizations for one chapter, and immediately you're, you're part of a large organization again. And of course, in biotech, this is probably not uncommon uh, due to the M&A activity. But at the same time, you know, tell us about those two experiences and what maybe you find satisfying, but maybe just compare the two for us. I think they're both interesting. They're, they're different experiences. So, for example, just take my example at Parkcell where I was just before coming to Constellation. I had a large finance team. I also had procurement and various other things. So there I was leading a finance team. The total team was over 900 people, my team. Uh, and so you're, if you're leading leaders, you are in that situation. It was around the globe. So you're dealing with different cultures, different time zones, uh, but all finance, mostly finance related. Um, and I think that's a, that's a very interesting challenge. How do you keep everybody aligned um, and, and, you know, marching in the same direction? through all those different time zones and cultures. And we did a lot on communication. And I enjoy, I enjoy that type of leadership. Whereas here, um, you know, it, it is, the, the team is the whole company. So it's, it's not as much finance. It, it's, it includes finance, but it's not only finance. So we work, to, we pull together as a team to do the right thing for the company. And everybody has to pitch in. So, so it's, um, I, I enjoy that because you get closer to the business, but it's it's a different type of leadership. But for me, they're both interesting. You place this emphasis on uh, communication as a, as a leader, and you know, meanwhile, CFOs are not always uh, thought to be the maybe the best communicators, or you know, the less they say sometimes, the better, or at least that that might be uh, certain CFOs' philosophy. What, what yours? I mean, generally speaking, I think more communication is better than less. And so my, my goal is to be as transparent as, as I can. Now, clearly in a public company, you're, you're, you, know, you have to be careful about disclosures and what is public information. Uh, but nevertheless, there's still a lot that you can say about the company um, and, and, and tell the story. And so I, I do really believe that the context is important. I think that if you tell people why you're trying to do something or what you're trying to accomplish, they're much more likely to come on that journey with you than if you just say, I need this by Tuesday. Um, and, and so that's always been the philosophy. Um, I think that, and I do think that finance can play, play an important role in 
what I call being the glue in the organization, where we can, because we have an overview role and we touch all the different departments, we can, we can help to align people. And, and in, certainly in my leadership, I'm very, that's really what I'm interested in. Are we all pulling in the same direction? Are we aligned? Um, and I think, you know, finance really can play a role. And I've seen that even going back to my days at Crystal Myers Squibb, where I worked with a very brilliant CEO, but he was, um, you know, a little bit of an introvert, preferred to stay in his office. And we were able to pass his messages and his vision and make sure everyone was on the same page. I think that's very important. Okay, we're going to enter the mentoring round now where I get to ask you several quick questions uh, intended to inspire and advise future finance leaders. What is it that's exciting you about finance and business today? I think what's exciting me particularly is what's going on in our company. I'm very focused on what we're doing. I, I, I will say, and maybe you've picked this up already, I'm very interested in being part of the business, partnering with the business, and um, probably more that side than perhaps some technical accounting pronouncements. When you entered the CFO office for the first time, what is that one piece of advice you wish someone had given you? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, maybe one way to answer it is that, you know, now that I'm, in a way, come full circle and I'm in another small company, I feel much more equipped to do a good job for the company. Uh, and I think that comes from the experience that you gain along the way. And therefore, I kind of advocate um, to, to people to, you know, careers are long. It, it's worth uh, taking time to gain some experiences, particularly early on. Um, and because it will all stand you in good stead when you step into that leadership role, if you've seen different aspects. And I see a, a lot, you know, a lot of people these days who, you know, want to go straight up the ladder very quickly, and I know I did at the time, um, but it may be worth taking some lateral moves uh, in order to gain different aspects of experience. And maybe, maybe Jack, just another thought on that, it's also the case that you, you can't be an expert in everything, I mean, generally not. And so getting comfortable with uh, that you may need to rely on others it's more about being aware of where there might be issues rather than having all of the answers. And I'm, I'm clearly more comfortable there today than I was. I think, it's, you know, when I first stepped into the CFO role, you don't even know what you don't know. So <laughs> that can be a dangerous place to be. You talked about how you're a communicative leader. You believe in uh, strong communications. Um, but how would you characterize your style of leadership? There's a definition of leadership which I enjoy, which is around authentic expression of self, and that's Kevin Cashman's definition. So some of his books are quite, um, you know, quite interesting on that thought, but that, you know, leadership is a very personal thing, and, you know, you, you, you need to clearly... You're trying to be yourself in service of the business and the, and the needs of the business, but you shouldn't lose sight of yourself and your style. We're, we're 
right up to our final question, but I, I do wanted to ask if you, you wouldn't mind a, a, a more personal question. Um, I know that both you and your husband have careers that have spanned, uh, you know, both uh, the Atlantic, both uh, sides of the pond. What are you? Are you folks both uh, expats today? How has that worked out over time for you? What would you share with us? Sure. He's um, so. So we're both Brits originally, and we now we now both have dual citizenship. So we're both U.S. U.S. U.K. citizens. Um, and as I mentioned, so so we managed two careers for you know many years, um, and then eventually, after about five years of living in on two continents, um, with him coming to visit once every three weeks, we decided it would be good to get back on the same continent. And uh, he came over to the U.S. Uh, although at the time it was a toss-up whether I went back to to Europe or he came over here, and we decided that he would come here. Um, and then that allowed me to continue in my career. But it could equally well have gone the other way. Wow. I'm, I'm glad I asked. That makes for a, an interesting life, I'm sure. So we are up to our, uh, our final question, uh, which is, as you look forward now, what are your priorities as a CFO over the next 12 months? Well, as in, we're a new public company here at Constellation, and we have um, a lot of uh, interesting milestones coming up in the business, which we think will, will drive value for the shareholders. And so we're looking then to you know, how do we continue to move the company forward? How do we continue to engage with investors? Um, and you know, I'm sure that will involve some, some financing of some kind on the way through. And then, of course, you know, continuing to be comfortable as a, a new public company. We're still building out the team. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's, it, it's great being public. It gives you access to capital. But there are also clearly compliance obligations that come with that that you need to get, get uh, you know, be on top of. Emma Reeve, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thank you, Jack. It's my pleasure. Hello, listeners. Do us a favor. Be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition debuts on Amazon this quarter featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.